Hello, I'm Damien Venuto and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. This week, The Front Page is showcasing several high-profile New Zealanders who stood out in their field in 2022. New Zealand's voting age could be lowered for the first time in nearly 50 years. In November, the Supreme Court declared the current voting age of 18 was inconsistent with the Bill of Rights, opening the door for a law change. It's now up to our politicians to decide what happens next, but the legal win is a major victory for the young campaigners behind this move. It follows a trend of young New Zealanders fighting to make the world a better place and force older generations to pay attention. Today, I'm talking to Make It 16's Caden Tipler and Sanat Singh, our standout campaigners from 2022, about their fight to get this change across the line and what other people in their generation can do to make a difference. To start with, can you both give me some background on the Make It 16 campaign, how it came about, uh, what motivated your advocacy to lower the voting age and how you both got involved and what led you to take this all the way through the court system? The campaign began in 2019 at the 2019 Youth Parliament. There were young people across all the political parties represented at that Youth Parliament who were super keen to see the voting age lowered, who thought that the voting age was too high. That started as a very Wellington-based campaign, but obviously since then we've kind of grown. More and more people have become involved from all different parts of the country and we've become a national campaign. In terms of the point where we got involved, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, for sure. Um I have been sort of in the youth space doing work with young people since I was 15 years old. I joined my local youth council and have been surrounded by a lot of amazing experience and work doing stuff at a local board and local government level. Very much for me, my whole experience throughout high school has been what are the things that young people want? What are the things that they're sort of advocating for and how can we deliver that to them? But for me, it was always we're coming up against this very big roadblock that at the end of the day, the emphasis on youth voice and the emphasis on, you know, having power through the vote, two very disconnected things. Sort of always bought into the idea of Make It 16, but figured that it's about time that I start giving back to the space that's given me so much and step up and do something about it. So I messaged the account online and they said, come along. Been a pretty wild ride since then. Kaden, how did you and Sanat meet? We just met through the campaign. Yeah, we met yeah. through the campaign. We met on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, we did meet on Zoom. And it took us like, there were probably months of Zoom calls before we actually met, met in, in person. person. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we came into the campaign from like very different angles. So mm-hmm. I obviously had like the passion and the drive for youth advocacy. And I almost stumbled into the campaign, possibly for quite selfish reasons. In the 2020 election, I was following that election quite closely. I was following the cannabis referendum quite closely. And, and I did a lot of my own research and educated myself myself on that referendum and a lot of my friends and and the people in my community who were 16 and 17 knew a lot about that election as well and and had a stake in that election so when I couldn't vote I became quite frustrated especially when I realized I might not be able to vote in the next general election so that motivated me to join the campaign I thought we knew just as much as the adults around us we were just as passionate and we cared just as much as our communities we should be able to vote and that's what led me to the Make a 16 campaign. Do you think that the nature of the issues that emerged in that 2020 election campaign were so relevant to younger people that they started to care a lot more because it does sometimes feel that politics is quite far removed from the lives of younger people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the political age of today, all of the issues that we sort of have are defined by crisis and emergency. And those are acutely felt by people who are marginalized or people who are underrepresented. 
we hear a lot from older people that, oh, when I was 16, I wouldn't have cared about this or I wouldn't have known much about this. But the nature of democracy and the nature of the world is such that the issues that affect us and the issues that we have to adapt our systems to change rapidly. It's also the nature of information because right now you have access to more information than what you ever did historically. Exactly. And all of those sort of factors add up and I think intensify during that 2020 to now period where we're seeing some really large-scale system failures and stuff like mental health, Mm -hmm. climate change, and education. And especially with those systems, the solutions to those involve how our future is going to look. So it just seems to make sense to want to have young people involved in that. And clearly the way we're involving them right now is not conducive to positive youth outcomes right now. And for a lot of young people is not looking like it's going to lead to some positive outcomes in the future. Just bringing it back to the Make It 16 campaign, obviously it's had a few twists and turns through the legal system, but what did it feel like getting that result when the Supreme Court basically said that you were right? Kind of what Sanat was saying, I don't think our campaign could have existed in any other point in history. You know, democracy continues to evolve and now's the time for 16 to 17 year olds to be able to vote. And I think the Supreme Court outcome really speaks to that. People often say that it was hugely historic, even if it didn't change the law directly. It's a huge step forward for our campaign. And I think it was almost unexpected, even though we know it was the right thing to do. But I don't think even 10 years ago we could have seen a Supreme Court case outcome like the one we had because all the evidence today is that 16 and 17 year olds should be able to vote. And that evidence and that historical point that we're at at the moment is what drove the Supreme Court to make that decision. The evidence is one thing, and I mean Mm -hmm. that definitely appeals to the rational sense of people, but people are also quite emotional. So I'm going to read off some stats over here. We we had a Herald <laughs> poll recently that saw 79% of voters against lowering the voting age, and that included 69% of 18 to 24-year-olds. So why do you think people are still so afraid of lowering the voting age to 16? My gosh, yeah. I think what's more significant is that what we found throughout the course of our campaign is that more and more people are supporting the campaign. Even if in the polls, the majority is still against us. What we're finding is that once people hear the rationale, once people hear the reasoning for why we want to lower the voting age, most people become supportive. So I think we need to note that, you know, people often have this visceral reaction to the idea of change. But the reasons people use against 16 and 17 year olds voting, we know we used against 18 year olds voting. We know we used against women voting. We know we used against people who didn't own land voting. And, you know, if our democracy has been able to evolve this far, we know that once we lower the voting age for like local elections per se, a lot more people will be on board with 16 and 17 year olds voting. And I suppose that's also the nature of progress because a lot of what you touched on there, if you think about the original Greek interpretation of voting, exactly. it was yeah. like you needed to be able to afford your own armour in order to be part sure. of the democracy, which yeah. is ludicrous right now, right? Exactly. So things progress over time. Yeah, it's it's a thing about not being static, right? When we're talking about the issues that we face today, those issues look drastically different to what they would have when we lowered the voting age for 18-year-olds as well. It's a lot to unpack as to why we have such an emotive sort of visceral reaction against us. And I think a lot of it has to do with this idea that culturally we're okay with the idea of 18 being the age, right? Because it seems to be consistent with a lot of the other things that we've said in society. But when we actually sort of look a little bit deeper at that, 16 to 18 there's a range of ages where you can do a lot of different things. And for us right now as a campaign, the main thrust is it's much more practical. It makes much more sense and it's much more logically consistent to have an age of voting that's lower. 
that is still okay in a world where 18-year-olds are allowed to do some things and 16-year-olds are allowed to do something. Of course, the great irony in all of this is that your fate is now in the hands of politicians, mm -hmm. none of which are 16. Yes. Yeah. So how do you feel about that level of irony that it's been handed over to parliament and they now essentially have to vote on it? That's the same reason why Make It 16 doesn't support a referendum, right? We don't think people over the age of 18, essentially the majority, should be deciding the rights of the minority, 16 and 17-year-olds. So I guess to some extent it's incredibly frustrating that our ability to engage in our democracy is decided by those who currently have the political power. But we're seeing more and more politicians become in support of Make It 16. So although it's frustrating, we're still optimistic and there's still progress being made with politicians saying they support us. Are people maybe afraid of something here that they shouldn't be too afraid of, given that participation among young people is quite low, even among the population that is allowed to vote? Yeah, I don't think, you know, it's not like we're going to lower the voting age and suddenly the streets are going to be on fire. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be the end of the world. The only people who it will make a fundamental difference to is 16 and 17 year olds. You know, nobody else will be hugely impacted. But at the same time, we saw from Scotland, which has a voting age of 16, 16 and 17 year olds turn out to vote in higher rates than 18 to 24 year olds. And because we know the younger you start voting, the more likely you are to continue voting. We see that by lowering the voting age, that we can improve um, participation in our democracy across all age groups. A thing that a lot of people don't realize is that globally democracy's seen a backslide okay so being in a democracy is no longer a norm it's very much an exception in for a lot of countries and for a lot of citizens across the world so we're very lucky in new zealand to have what is a healthy democracy but there are still challenges that we face lowering the voting age to 16 is one of those solutions that we can bring to our democracy which really helps cultivate the health of it Increasing participation from a younger age, which then carries on for generations to come, means that you constantly have voters that are showing up to vote. It also allows the school system to be more involved in the yes. process of introducing people to politics. Because if you think about the age of 18, people are moving on from school at that stage and they're told you need to care about this thing, but perhaps not while you're at school. Whereas no. now it'll be part of the stru structure within the schooling system. Too. Exactly. Yeah. I think when you're crying about your university assignments, <laughs> politics is the last thing that sort of crosses your mind, even though it's a vehicle for how you want to see your life lived, right? And I think it's really easy for us to tell that to, you know, a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old and for them to care about that then, but as they go on through high school and then they move on, they're not going to want to care about that anymore. Lowering the voting age to 16 and 17 gives us a really clear mandate and a really clear advantage to do something about that. But I think a lot of people need to realize is a, is a net positive for the sort of decisions we make, right? We're now creating a generation of voters that are much more informed, much more critically engaged with the sort of media that they're consuming, much more able to understand how MMP works, right? I think for a lot of people, we're still voting in that first-past-the-post mindset. And that, to me, seems like just a no-brainer. Why wouldn't we want to empower young people to be able to make some really fantastic decisions that we weren't able to make ourselves. There is a possibility now that we could see a split in the voting age between local and general elections, and that all comes down to the threshold. So the threshold for local elections is a bit lower than what it is for the general election rule. Would you be happy with that concession? I mean, I don't think it'll be the final outcome. We want the voting age to be lowered to 16 for local elections because we know, you know, once people see how successful a voting age of 16 is for local elections, there'll be the support there needed to lower the voting age for general elections as well. So I think with where we are at today, 
we're not sure that general elections would get over the line, but local elections is a step towards getting general elections over the line. As you, you just intimated, this fight is not quite over yet. So yeah. how much of your personal life is this taking up? We met up before this <laughs> to talk about um, this. I mean, everyone in the campaign is a volunteer and we're all contributing as much as we can. We have to balance our own lives with being able to campaign. But I think the really interesting thing or the really exciting thing about the work that we're doing is it's some really uncharted territory. For countries that have lowered the voting age, it's always been a top-down effort. It's always been politicians trying to tackle low voter turnout or involve younger people in some fundamental decision-making like we saw in mm -hmm. Scotland. But for us in New Zealand, it's very much all grassroots driven. So we might spend a bit too much time because we get excited at the possibility of doing some really fantastic work, but it's worth it. Yeah, and I think I was thinking about this earlier when you mentioned ancient Greek democracy because I was a year 12 student mm -hmm. and I've just finished NCA level two. And what we're doing with Make It 16 has almost felt like an extension of my education because, you know, I sat in level two classics and I learned about the founding of democracy in ancient Greek and I learned about how democracy has evolved through history and learning about New Zealand in the 1800s and level two history. And I think, you know, what we're doing in Make It 16 doesn't exist in isolation. And I think it's really easy to connect our personal lives with what we're doing because I so badly want to vote as a 17 year old and I see the positive impact it could have, have on my friends, on my family, on the people who I'm going to school with. So I think it, it takes a huge part of our personal life and, and it's probably the most important aspect of our lives at the moment, <laughs> yeah. but it's so interconnected to everything else we do. You're both active online and being online terrifies me just because of the backlash that we sometimes get. So how do you deal with all the negative backlash that you undoubtedly also get? <laughs> you want to go first? <laughs> I received... Um, backlash that I'd never experienced in my life before. And I think, you know, we're both from marginalized communities and a lot of the hate directed towards us are because we're part of those communities. A lot of what I get on Twitter is backlash that's transphobic, for example. And I don't think it was easy to navigate. I definitely had like a few moments where I thought, oh my God, I can't possibly do this anymore. But I'm lucky to have built a network around me of other young activists who experience the same things. And I was the youth MP for Goros Garama and she's experienced so much online hate, but I was so lucky to be able to learn from her experiences and for her to offer me so much advice. And I think learning from the people who've done this for longer than you and who've done this before you and have experienced the same things as you makes it a lot easier as well. I think it always comes back to building that community around you. Yeah, some of the feedback that we've seen Goro's receiver historically has been quite awful. And it's something that's quite similar with young female journalists in the Herald too. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's sometimes awful to see some of the feedback that these people receive on a daily basis. And I don't know how you go about your job when that's a likelihood almost every day. Sure. I think people don't realize is that we are young people, right? Like, we're real people. We're, we're real human beings. And I definitely haven't received as much backlash as Caden has, mostly because Caden's done the awesome work of being the spokesperson for the campaign who's been out there so many times. But I definitely see it through you. <laughs> I definitely experienced it through you a little bit as well. And it's been a bit ridiculous to just see that once individuals stop engaging with our actual arguments, they have to resort to personal attacks, but I deleted Twitter for that exact Yeah, reason. well, that's the thing. Nobody yeah. can think of any solid arguments then, against so they, us yeah. that stick. And, 
and that's why people resort to personal attacks. I get messages like, you know, oh, you make really good arguments. If only you weren't trans, like those kind of messages. And it's like, well, yeah, it's because we have all the arguments and it's just a testament to why we should lower the voting age. There is something about Gen Z, though, and your your generation in particular. Like, what is it about you that is so willing to walk into the tornado and challenge the status quo and, and change things? Why are you so willing to do that? I think we're sick of it. <laughs> I think that's the that's the short answer. But the long answer is that we've talked about those different factors today that creates a generation that's much more engaged, much more informed. I think that all culminates in our ability to be like, okay, clearly there are some things that are not going right here. Clearly we see ourselves just as able to do some of the things that adults do. Why isn't it that we're treated just the same? And I think at the end of the day, because... Even like Caden mentioned, we're both from marginalized communities or communities that don't have the sort of same representation that others do. Mm-hmm. We see ourselves as wanting to create that pathway to make way so that people like us can come into these spaces and, yeah. and have that say. And I also think we're we sort of came from backgrounds where we've always been around young people that have been affected by or do experience some of the failures of of things like our mental health system or our education system. So we see ourselves more out of necessity than out of passion at times. Mm-hmm. To And I think we did, like, we didn't really intend for it to happen this way. We kind of just stumbled into making it Yeah, sustain. it's never a choice, really, when you go into this world. And then when we just see, like, the impact that not being represented by our politicians is having on yeah. young people, I think that that continues to motivate us rather than it being always positive, I guess, yeah. which is which is the reality of it. The, the relationship between campaigners and the media has also hit the headlines recently. So back in September, Newstalk ZB host Heather Duplessis Allen got a bit of a mixed response when she pulled a gotcha question on a school strike climate activist. Um, she was really young, the person she was talking to. While Deputy Allen did get some criticism, some also said, no, these people need to be treated the same as everyone else. They need to be questioned. They need to be criticized. What's your take on that? Where's the right balance for the media to strike when it comes to asking questions and pushing people who are campaigning? We had I have a, a lot of thoughts. We had a lot. <laughs> right. You go, you, know, you, okay. go, you go. I mean, I remember when the Izzy Cook thing happened mm-hmm. and, and I was quite upset. I've sent a lot of messages about it mm-hmm. um, because for me, it was like my worst fear. It was everyone on Twitter was saying, this is why 16 and 17 year olds shouldn't vote. And I felt like super frustrated that a 16-year-old can make one mistake in an interview and it reflects our entire cohort. So Izzy um, Cook was almost being used as a weapon against you. Was yeah. being used as a weapon. But also I was like, you know, that could so have easily been me. And I was interviewed by Heather Duplessis-Allen and I was like, oh, thank God I haven't been to Fiji recently. But also for so long, everyone in like my quote tweets and my reply tweets were saying, have you been to Fiji recently? So it like became a bit of a thing. I felt so sorry for Izzy Cook because I could have easily been in her situation. But also... I think we've been really lucky. We've had really great relationships with media and journalists. And so many journalists are super supportive of the campaign and what we're doing. I don't know if gotcha questions are always appropriate, but I don't think they're any more or less appropriate for 16 and 17 year olds. I think journalists and media have a responsibility to be aware of campaigners of any age group, especially when it's someone like Izzy Cook who might be new to interviews and and who might be nervous. I don't think it's appropriate at all but I think with that being said I'm really grateful to the New Zealand media for being so supportive of Mm -hmm. Make It 16 and what we're doing. Caden you've used the word evidence quite a lot during our discussion today and that's something that has come through in your interviews in the past I mean is that the trick here if you are going to stand for something make sure you have the evidence to back it up. For sure I mean 
that's made it a lot easier because we have all the statistics and all the evidence behind us, as you're saying. I think that's probably contributed to why we've been able to have such a great relationship with media and journalists is because we always have the facts to back up what we're saying. You know, we're probably better in that regard than even some politicians. But then it also feels like because politicians don't always have the statistics and the facts to back up what they're saying, you know, some politicians can just say anything and get away with it. It feels like because we're young, because we're marginalised, it's that whole doing twice as much to get half Mm -hmm. as far thing. What are your plans? What are your next plans? Do you, either of you have plans to enter politics by any chance? No. God, no. <laughs> not at all? No, absolutely Despite not. the good work that you've done here? We're not politicians, politicians by nature. No. We didn't come into this wow. because we thought, we thought we'd be politicians. I think we're much, much more suited to the activism part of it, part of that <laughs> equation where we speak truth to power and try to do the hard work that, that's involved in turning a politician's vote. But I think also, you know, we've sort of seen what it takes to be a politician. And I think it's a hard job to do, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, and it's something that we sort of burned ourselves out already of, mm. of doing. And I suppose for both of you in your lives, even existing is a political act in some ways. So maybe it does become a bit fatiguing. Oh, for sure. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, never say never. Maybe it's something one of us will end up doing later in life. Yeah. But I think for the moment as well, we care so much about issues and we care so much about things that are impacting our communities. I think that's where our focus is. And, you know, I think we're both worried to some extent that if we decided to become politicians or more involved in a political party, we might be pulled away of the core of what we're trying to do. Sometimes it's easy for us doing interviews and and for people to get caught up in the idea of us needing to get 75% of parliament on board. But most importantly, we want to make sure every young person, every 16 and 17 year old um, is on board because they feel like they're being listened to and they feel like their vote would matter. I think that's the heart of our campaign and that's what we care about doing the most. Exactly. Finally, for both of you, are there any people in Aotearoa at the moment advocating for change for the voiceless who you want to celebrate? I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I'm so inspired by so many young people in Aotearoa who are who are stepping up and making change. And I was inspired so much by youth MPs such as Liba, who was advocating for consent law reform, and Willow, who is advocating to improve trans healthcare in Aotearoa. And I think it's young people who continue to inspire me. And, you know, those are two young people who are becoming more and more high profile, but there's so many young people as well who aren't high profile who are doing the mahi. I talked about how I started off in youth councils and stuff like that and realizing how big the space really is, but how underappreciated it goes. There are youth councils for every local board region in Auckland, but then you look beyond that. I've been talking to people in Canterbury, I've talking to people in Palmerston North. This youth space of high school students who are coming out here and working in incredibly complex systems to deliver work that no one else is doing around consultations, youth representation, creating youth spaces in your community. It's incredibly unique, but incredibly innovative. And it involves a lot of hard hours from young people who are already in high school, you know, dealing with the challenges of being a teenager. I think all of those kids out there who are in a youth council or in a youth advocacy space who are doing something like that, not only do you need a good summer break, but you need to realize that what you're doing here is is potentially life-changing for the kids who come after you. That in and of itself is reason to keep going. Caden and Sanat, thanks for joining us. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We'll be back soon for another look behind the headlines.